This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back to Get Psyched. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today, back by popular demand, we have my astrologer, my soul sister, Bruna Maya on the show. Last time, you guys absolutely flooded my DMs. You flooded Bruna's schedule getting your natal charts done, so I had to bring her back on the show, especially after doing my reading with her. So really cool backstory. We actually picked the date to record this show based on both of our natal charts. So the way our Mercury, our minds were talking to each other so we could really harvest a beautiful conversation. Bruna is also diving into goddess asteroids. Okay, let that sink in. Goddess asteroids in our natal chart. These are in our charts for both men and women and help us become the ferocious, vivacious people that we are meant to be. If you guys are interested in working with Bruna, she is part of the Get Psyched giveaway. So if you leave a five-star rating and review for the show, DM it to me, right? Take a screenshot first and send it my way. You will be entered to win the Get Psyched giveaway, which is a reading with Bruna. You guys do not want to miss this. Mine was life-changing. I still work with her all the time, and I cannot wait for you to get a taste of that. All of that will be linked in the show notes, how to get a hold of Bruna, where to find her, how to get part of her newsletter. You do not want to miss it. Until then, enjoy the show. Bruna is back on the show. What's up, girl? Hello, Lindsay. I'm back. <laughs> I'm so excited. I think that your show has probably been one of the most continually talked about shows. So typically there's some buzz each week around each guest, but I think I receive at least two DMs a week that are like, I just listened to the show with Bruna. So... Yeah. I couldn't be more excited to be getting you back on Get Psyched. Um, anything happened? Anything going on since our last chat to this one before we dive in too deep? Oh, wow. Well, I'm just so happy to be here. And yeah, I feel like so much has gone on since we last chatted. So many readings came my way from the last interview, which was so special. And um, yeah, I had some really interesting conversations with some of my closest friends too, who listened in and got to see a different side of me. So that yeah. was really cool too. Oh, that makes me so, so happy. I know how many people have now had readings by you and reach out to me and are like, Lindsay, Bruna is so incredibly talented, so magical. I'm like, I know it feels like magic. So if this is a call to action to anyone listening, if you have been on the fence about doing this, like, please, please, please head on over, check Bruna out. We'll link it all in the show notes and get it all straightened out and get you over to her. But like, oh, just don't wait any longer. Get it done. <laughs> um, but I thought a good place to start would be why we chose today. I know I reached out to you a while back about doing a second show and that there was always an open mic open for you here. Um, and you immediately went into both of our charts and chose this week or this time frame. And I'm just curious why. Well, the first thing that I looked at was what was happening with our Mercury's 
that's our mind, right? And the way we communicate. And I knew that you have a Mercury in Aries. I know last time we were trying to figure out where was your Mercury. And so after your reading, we found out that you have Mercury in Aries. So I was looking to see what kind of activity was going to be stimulating your mind to make this a very interesting and interactive conversation. And, you know, it's interesting, Lindsay, because the first time we spoke about doing the second interview, we had an initial date where it would really align both of our mercuries would be activated um but now actually the way the day turned out mercury in aries is on top of your venus and your venus in aries as well at the top of your midheaven so it's really opening you up to new perspectives it brings a lot of a lot of pleasurable conversation, um, talking with women. <laughs> yes. is exactly what we're doing. So. <laughs> that makes me so happy. For people who haven't done their natal charts or know what Midheaven is and know about the planets that we're talking about, can you just kind of touch on that and break that down for people? Yeah, absolutely. So Mercury, as I was mentioning, is all about communication how we interact with one another. This can be through a written communication, through verbal communication, listening. <laughs> and then we, I was also talking about Venus. Venus is all about our feminine energy, pleasure. Um, and it's often associated with friends or love. Uh, it's anything associated with pleasure. And so uh, right now, you in your natal chart, Lindsay, you have Venus, in the midheaven, which is the most elevated point of your chart. It is often associated with your, your place in the world. And, and there is a feminine energy to your life purpose uh, that we talked about. <laughs> and so right now, it's almost like Mercury's on top of that, that Venusian goddess that you have, that Amazonian goddess that you have. So we're going to be talking about her. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. we are. It's funny because I'm wearing this shirt right now. It just says wild woman. And I feel like yes. it is so accurate for what we're talking about. And I know that I don't want to give too much away listeners, but there will be something pretty cool coming your way based on my natal chart reading that Bruna and I did and things that I have in the works for you guys and pleasure and femininity and all of these amazing things that mm. Bruna touched on. Um, we are also currently in the moon cycle, if, if that's the correct term, of Aries, right? The moon is in Aries. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that we had been picking around different dates for this show to work um, and we were postponing and, and adding all these different times. And then I was like, just kind of word vomited on you. And I was like, Bruna, this is what I understand about the moon being in Aries and listen to all of these things that are happening in my life. Um, so I'll share some of that with listeners as we go on, but can you kind of explain where we're at, maybe what a moon cycle is first and then where we currently are? Yeah, so the moon cycle is 28 days and we are right now at a new moon. We're in Aries new moon and it's a very important moon cycle because it's the first one of the astrological year. So the, the calendar year for astrologers starts with the spring, right? With Aries, the first sign of the zodiac. 
And right now we have the first new moon of that astrological new year. So new moons are all around planting a seed, setting a new intention. This is where we initiate. This is where we start new, new things, new cycle. And, and so it's a big deal for us to set intentions right now that are going to last us for the whole next year. Mm. And what are some of the heavy hitters, if you will, in this new moon? Yeah. So this new moon, there's a lot of fire energy. We have five planets in fire and Aries. We have the sun and the moon. That's what makes it a new moon is when they're conjoined, the sun and the moon are together. Then we have Venus, which we were talking about as well. And then we have Mercury, which we were also <laughs> talking about. And the last one that we have is Chiron, which is the wounded healer. And Chiron's actually an asteroid, but I love working with Chiron because of its symbol. I find mm. that it's very important for our consciousness right now. Yeah. And, and so because of those five planets in Aries right now, it's telling us to go. It's telling us to create. It's telling us to innovate as well. And think of all of, think of just that one seed that we want to do, that we want to set forth in our journey. And along with that, there's some very strong air energy. And so mm. whenever we have air and fire together, it basically allows us to create because air goes well with fire. Air is all around communication. It's all around networking. It's around ideas, the mind. And so think about it. Whenever you have a fire, the air fuels the fire. Right. Oh my gosh, you are speaking to me. I want to dive into Chiron a little bit. I know that you gave it the title of, or it has the title of Wounded Healer, um, which I am very, very, very versed with. (laughs) Um, I feel like it is probably one of the archetypes that therapists or people in the healing space um, identify with most heavily. If I had to guess, I know there was a ton of people in our program that identified that way. Um, Can you kind of tell listeners a little bit more about that, what it means? Yeah, Chiron is, as you mentioned, the wounded healer. It comes from Greek mythology, the story of Chiron. And basically, this asteroid was discovered in the 70s. And so whenever we discover a a planet um, or an asteroid, there's usually something that our consciousness is becoming aware of collectively. And because of that, we are also discovering this this body of energy right and so when so it's been you know it's been a couple of years that Chiron has been in our consciousness and it wasn't until like I believe the 90s that we had two brilliant authors Barbara Clow and Melanie Reinhart really do a lot of research around the significance of Chiron and I love working with this archetype I use it in all of my chart readings because I think it's a very important symbol for us collectively as human, for us collectively to grow. And, and it's, it's really around, okay, so you had wounds when you were little, 
there are things where you felt maybe less than or felt like you weren't good enough or you weren't nurtured enough. And from these wounds, that's actually where you heal yourself first so that then you can help and heal others. Mm. And with something like you're saying, this fiery energy and this air energy, to have that feels like you're saying really innovative, really kind of like you're planting seeds. You are, it feels very go getter to me. That fires me up because that's kind of how I operate. As you know from my chart, I'm very much like, how can I do it? How can I do it now? Um, and what I've also noticed with any of my childhood wounding, um, full disclosure, and we kind of talked about this before the show, mine is in my face right now. Um, everything that lent Chiron uh, and its archetype and its meaning to me is, is very, very in my life right now. Um, all of my childhood trauma and, and family dynamics that contributed to that, um, I'm kind of reliving it right now. And it's strange because I'm reliving it at almost 29 instead of nine. Mm -hmm. And when I've done any trauma work, it's been really slow. It's been really a surrender. And so I'm curious how the two work together, how if we're in this moon that feels so go-getter, so innovative, so full of fire and air, how Chiron plays a role in that same cycle. Mm. Yeah. So, so the interesting thing is that Chiron has been in Aries for, it's going to be here for a couple of years, right? It's pretty slow moving. And so it's Chiron and Aries is all around our identity. And so collectively, Lindsay, we are healing wounds around our identity, our sense of self. We're all going through it, right? Some happen to be going through it more than others. And so if you have planets in Aries, like me and you do, right, <laughs> we're going to be feeling that a little bit more personally. Mm. And we're going to be asking to work in those areas of our lives, right, that are more personal, that feel more connected to our identity, our sense of self. And so with you, you might be feeling it through your thoughts, the way you think, because you have Mercury there, right? Um, you might be feeling it in your feminine energy, too, that there's a lot of wounding there in the feminine. Um, for me, I'm, well, I'm, you're catching me where I'm really going through this transit. I mean, I, it's on my son. And so I got put in the hospital. I'm okay. But I, you know, I had a kidney stone and I had a root canal the same week during this transit. Oh. <laughs> and it's like in these moments, I, I'm so grateful for astrology because I can actually laugh. You know, I'm laughing with you. It's like, oh, there's Chiron. <laughs> I feel like one of the things we laugh about the most or that gets thrown around a lot, and this can be completely tangential, um, but I'm curious about it, is when people are like, Mercury is in retrograde, right? Mm. I feel like we see it all over social media and on memes and it's kind of like this funny thing. It kind of feels like Murphy's law, right? Like what will yeah. go wrong will, um, or what can go wrong will. 
what exactly is Mercury in retrograde and when is the next one so I can start (laughs) planning now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Mercury retrograde is one of those things that I, you know, it has such a negative connotation, I feel like in the meme world. And it, it actually can be so healing and so powerful and act, and, and, and can be quite positive too. And I, I wish that people didn't fear it so much because it's a really important time for us to recollect our thoughts and to go inward. And so just taking a step back, um, Mercury retrograde is when Mercury, the planet, is moving backwards. Okay, it has the illusion that it's moving backwards. And so when we, when we, because it is a sign of communication, and you know, it wants to move things forward, it's, it wants to, um, it wants to deliver messages, right? And whenever it's moving backwards, it's, it's going to change things up. Mm. Um, so there might be mis- some com- miscommunication. You might not be seeing things clearly. You might not be thinking clearly. And so people get really scared of that because they don't want communication to fall short. However, this is why astrologers say maybe don't sign a contract during this time. And it's not because there's something bad that's going to happen. It's just that you might not see all the tiny details of this contract. Mm. And so just take your time. And and the funny thing about Mercury retrograde is that you might just see it later, right? You might sign that contract during that time because you don't see it. You can't really see it. And then when actually Mercury goes direct, then you you see there and then you're beating yourself up for it so now i actually think that there's many instances mercury retrograde can be such a powerful time for us to retreat for us to reflect for us to think back on you know on our our communication styles and think back on the decisions that we've made and so I, I actually tell people like, wow, okay, if you know Mercury retrograde is coming up, create a ritual around it mm. and, and, and take that time for yourself to retreat. I love that permission because there's not often that we get it. We don't get take time for yourself unless you're in therapy with Bruna and I, and then we will, <laughs> we will tell you about the importance of self care. But take that permission to heart, and like it's okay for me. Mercury retrograde has felt very much like the permission to change my mind, or mm. like if my communication feels off or wonky, the permission to own that and to explore that and see what other conversations come from that. Um, But I do like your advice. Don't sign a contract. (laughs) I just signed a lease. So thankfully the lease was not in uh, Mercury retrograde. I I, I have bought a car during this time. You did. It was fine. Yeah. (laughs) However, there was a little extra fee that I didn't see. So that was funny too for me to notice, but it wasn't a huge deal, you know? So um, again, I wouldn't, oh, and the other thing, Lindsay, that I think I really appreciate about astrology is that because now I know Mercury 
when Mercury's retrograde, whenever clients have things that come up where they don't show up for a call or they have to change their schedule or anything, I'm a lot more understanding, Mm. right? And so I've also noticed that in myself too. It's like, oh, it's Mercury retrograde, of course. And I feel like that has added more compassion to my practice and also to myself because sometimes I'm the one that I have issues and I don't (laughs) communicate well. And then I'm like, you know what, Bruna, it's okay. (laughs) You take responsibility, of course, but you do, I do feel like there's a softening that happens as well. Mm, I love that. So I know that we, discussed before the show that this will actually release a little over a week from now, which is also the day after my birthday. Um, And I talk all the time about being on the cusp. I was born April 21st. So the first day of Taurus. And so I identify so heavily with so much Aries energy, but also like my bullheaded stubbornness comes in too. (laughs) So with that, I know that we will be within that new moon cycle or just moving into new moon and Taurus. So with that, I want people to feel like this touches them in this moment and what that might mean. What, you know, reflecting on what we just talked about, the moon being in Aries, what this new moon and Taurus is going to bring. Yeah, so there's two things that will be happening next week, right, when this launches. The first part is that the sun will be moving into Taurus. And so this is where your birthday happens. Happy solar return. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> and then um, the moon will actually be coming to its full moon, okay, positioning. So uh, that's when we have first the full moon in Taurus and Scorpio. So the moon will be in Scorpio, the sun will be in Taurus. So the moon will be in Scorpio, the sun will be in Taurus. Exactly. Yeah. What does that mean? So I first talked about the new moon and that's the new intention, right? So we're setting a new intention in that sign. The full moon is the illumination. So this is where we get to, it's all about fulfillment. It's all about manifestation and letting go what no longer serves you. And because the sun is going to be in Taurus, the moon is going to be in Scorpio, the opposite sign. So there's this illumination. You're kind of seeing everything very clearly. The sun is lighting up the moon. And so your emotions are kind of like out in the open, right? And it's a time where we, we can see, I feel like I, I am more in touch with my, with my emotions and I, and I can manifest easier. So do these, do the energies of what we are taking right now in Aries, I feel like you were saying that's innovation, that's planting seeds do you carry that same sort of energy into this next lunar cycle? And we're looking at like that manifesting, maybe taking Mm -hmm. that innovation, those things that we got clear on in Aries, getting rid of what doesn't serve us now. Yeah. And so here we set the new intentions. We create, 
the new the new plans of action that we wish to take upon and and then with Taurus we build it mm. so Taurus is a, a lot it's an earth sign right so it, Taurus cares about making things stable making things struct more structured making things tangible uh, Taurus is like to touch they're all around the sensory and and so you first have that initial fire from Aries to create something and then with Taurus you're going to build upon that mm. how important with saying that it's so sensory and you want to feel how important might it be because there's so many times you hear like don't make an emotion-based decision <laughs> how might that play into this with getting in touch with those emotions, getting in touch with those feelings, physical or emotional? What does that mean now? Yeah, I think, I, I think with Taurus, it, it's really around getting connected to, the, to our earth, our planet earth and tasting different things and eating different things and also um, gardening, right? Getting in touch with the soil. And a lot of times in our society, people have connected Taurus with money, right? Mm -hmm. Resources. Um, and I actually, I, I prefer the word resources versus money because I think that money is just energy. And so with Taurus, it just, I think the, the foundational element of Taurus is like, what are the resources in your life that you want to continue to integrate that bring you joy, that bring you security, that bring you a sense of safety. Mm. I love that reframe because I had the hardest time with <laughs> identifying as a Taurus and I'm like, I don't want to be materialistic and it feels so material, um, which do not get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that knows me also knows that I do like material things. I'll be the first one to admit it now. But I really appreciate the idea of looking at it as resources because you're right. I, for a really long time, craved security through finances, right? Like yeah. I wanted the good paying job with, you know, that provided me the, the security to have a stable roof over my head. I drive a nice car and I drive a nice car because I know it's not going to break down. And I won't lie, I like driving it. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the idea of using it as, or seeing it rather, as a resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that reframe really helped me as I was studying astrology too. Just because I felt like in the beginning it was so limiting to just look at it as money. And then when I opened it up with, and when I started using resources, it felt like I opened up my world because mm -hmm. there's so much more resources. You think of, at least for me, you know, mm -hmm. that, per, that perspective really opened me up. And also because I think that in our society, we're, we're still working through that, the concept of money and how heavy that term can be too. Mm -hmm. Can you touch a little bit more on that? I think it's a very personal thing for me, you know, Lindsay, that I've been working through too, that like, I felt like there, there's so much of my worth that was tied to money. 
And then now when I use the word resources and I tie that to my worth, I feel like, ooh, I get to explore so much more of my life. There's so many resources that I haven't even touched upon. Whereas with money, it felt very limiting to me. Mm. It's a very personal thing though. Yeah. So with that reframe, are you exploring this via journaling um, or how is it that you're getting kind of the self-reflection on this? So this is going to be very Taurus. I'm actually in a a women's personal finance group and that was, and it's for, and it's, it's, they say women's, but it's very much like feminine energy, right? Mm -hmm. It's for everybody that can be, that can identify as a woman. Um, And, and it's, it's really interesting, this whole process for me, because I feel like for the first time, there's this feminine way of looking at, at worth. Mm-hmm. And, and there is this, this way that I feel like is very connected to emotions as well. And I wanted to come back to emotions too, because you mentioned that in the beginning of Taurus, and I wanted to make sure I answered you. But um I'm so I'm learning how to connect my emotional world with my values, my around resources. Mm. You know, going back to what I said about emotions get a bad rap, right? Making an emotional decision or, you know, being told you're too emotional and, and all of these different things and something like finances. When I hear that, it feels masculine it Mm -hmm. feels um there's something about it that for lack of a better word feels like conquering um to me and that's my own experience that can be totally different for you or for listeners but for me it's and perhaps it's because that propels me it's something that keeps me working hard and I do want to conquer and I do want to be you know, the, the holder of my own financial security. So what have you been doing to lean into your feminine in that other than seeing it as resources or counting the other plethora of resources that there are outside of finances? Because I could probably take a note or two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the really cool things that we do in this program is that we create our ritual. We call it, you know, our weekly ritual, our money ritual. And here we we just create a very sacred space for us to do our bills. <laughs> and just having that intention, setting that intention for me has been so different because I will light a candle. I'll put flowers. Again, it's all Taurus. This is all Taurus energy. And I'll, I'll have a cup of tea while I'm doing it. So, so that I'm training my body and my mind to be like, oh, this is actually enjoyable. This is nourishing. I'm nurturing my body to do all of these tasks that before felt very masculine to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, of course, like I still like go in there and I still do calculations and I still go into my, you know, my spreadsheet and, I count, <laughs> you know, and, and I am accountable to, to my bills every month, but it, I've made it with like a feminine touch. And I think 
the support system too in this group of having other women there that we that you can talk to every week and talking about feelings tied to how you spend your money i think mm -hmm. has been a big process for me lindsay because there's so much of our emotions that are tied into our habits mm -hmm. touch on that more emotions being tied into your habits I think you, looking at your upbringing, you know, how, how was money in your household? What were the things that you unconsciously, subconsciously learned about money that you, that you still hold on to and they no longer serve you? Mm -hmm. that, that has been a big point of exploration for me. And... And I, and I think that, you know, it's, it's been important for me to, to redefine what that, what that's like, because that ends up guiding so many of my decisions every single day. Yeah. I think, you know, that feels very much to me like narrative therapy. Um, and when we get curious about the stories that we tell ourselves that we subconsciously tell ourselves that we don't even realize until just like something you just said what was the story you ingested around money growing up and for me it was like my dad was very i my parents are divorced my dad was very well off he spent money you know kind of frivolously my mom was for all intents and purposes, a single mom who had her struggles with addiction, who worked full-time, oftentimes multiple jobs, and money was more of a scarcity. Mm. And so I find myself between the two worlds, right? I would love to get to a place where money is frivolous because that, mm. was, the, that was the story that I had, right? That was like the end-all be-all. I want all of those things. And maybe that's very Taurus of me too, but I do, I want that. And I notice because of that, I want it for the security. I want it because I saw what, you know, it's like to come from more of a scarcity place with it. Mm. And I think that, you know, we can do that about all sorts of things. I had an episode um, come out last week that I did my first solo episode and I talked all about our stories around love. You know, from a young age, we watch Disney and it's princesses and there's Prince Charming and there's heterosexual relationships and monogamy and you live happily ever after. And that is just not the story for so many of us. And we can mm. feel really, really broken mm. if our story doesn't match the one that we've seen. Or yeah, our emotions yeah. don't match the story that's been told. So I want to encourage listeners and, and anyone that feels stuck in any of these things to get really curious and reflect on what are some of these stories that I'm telling myself. And are they true? Or are they false core beliefs that are unconscious and I need to recognize mm. when I'm acting out of them? Mm. What's really cool, Lindsay, is that organically, just as we were chatting, we just moved through the zodiac. So we started with Aries, that initial fire, 
And then we moved into Taurus and we were talking about resources and money and creating stability and structure. And then organically, we moved into stories, the stories that we tell ourselves. And that's Gemini. Mm. And that's the next sign of the Zodiac. And so it's really beautiful when you have this archetypal language because you start to pick it up everywhere. There's just this unconscious part of ourselves that, that speak this language so well. And we can see it play out all the time. Oh, that gave me chills. <laughs> One thing I wanted to talk about, we chatted a little bit before the show, was the research that you're doing now. Because we have been talking about this femininity. We talked about Venus being at the top of my chart, um, which you so, like, when I think Venus, this is going to make me laugh and it might make you laugh. I'm not sure. I think about the, like, razor commercials from the (laughs) early 2000s. I'm your Venus. And... (laughs) exactly so when you told me venus was the top of my chart i like kind of rolled my eyes at first and i was like a bunch of women in bathing suits like oh god what's this about to be about you know and then you explained it more and you explained it as like i think kind of the uh the picture you painted for me was this like amazonian warrior and i was like oh wait i can get behind that (laughs) so can you tell the listeners a little bit more about the research that you're doing into femininity and this goddess energy yeah I'm doing so I'm doing research with one of my mentors and teachers Mady Santos and together we've been studying the asteroid goddesses and so these are asteroids and there's four of them that were first discovered and so these four is Ceres, Pallas Athena, Juno, and Vesta and all four of these this is actually from the research of Demetra George and Douglas Block they were really focused on this in the 70s and it was all around the emergence of this feminine energy Right. And it was like, and it, it, when the planets were discovered, that's when there was also a huge movement of the women's movement. Right. And so there was a resurgence of feminine energy. And so Mady and I, my, my mentor and I were, were looking through all of these archetypes and trying to discover what do they mean in our clients' charts? What do they mean first in our charts? Mm-hmm. because we're really passionate about understanding the feminine energy right now. And I feel like we're going through a huge paradigm shift. And I feel like more and more of these archetypes are needed within our charts, right? And they want to be explored. They want to be discovered. They want to be talked about and because they're so needed for the healing of our society. Mm-hmm. And this might seem like a duh question, but do these goddess asteroids show up in both men and women's charts? Yeah, no, it's not a duh. It's yeah, it's a it's a great question. I, you know, it's they show up in everyone's charts. Everybody has it, 
And, and I say it's not a the question just because I think our society, we're so fixated on thinking feminine energy equals women and masculine mm-hmm. energy equals men, right? Mm-hmm. And what's really cool is that part of Demetra George's work with Douglas Block is really also uncovering, okay, what does this feminine energy mean to men, mean to the masculine, right? How do we integrate it as well? Now, I I do think, Lindsay, that probably more women will be more curious about this um, in in the beginning. But I do feel like men are are hopefully are right behind, hopefully, because they can certainly use this energy within their lives. So needed. Do the four asteroids bring different elements and different energies with them? Yeah, so Ceres is the goddess of our agriculture. She's the archetypal mother. Ceres was Persephone's mother in mythology. And so um, she's very connected with the roots, with the foundation, with the family system. And then Pallas Athena, ooh, she's the goddess of wisdom. She, I love her because of her creative intelligence. She was actually born out of Zeus's head. And so um, she comes, so she's connected to the MC, the top of the chart, right? And so the head of the chart. And she's, she's really, she is around, a, she's not going to be that warrior goddess that's going to go to war, right? She's not Mars. She's the strategic thinker. She's going to mm. be in the strategy room. And so really bringing that strategic mindset that I think a lot of our society needs. (laughs) Um, And then uh, Juno is the goddess of marriage. She's also known as Hera. She was Zeus's wife. Mm -hmm. And so she is here uh, connecting to, okay, what is the principle of relatedness? What does commitment mean? What does this um, spiritual union mean? And then finally, Vesta, she um, also known as Hestia. She was um, Zeus's elder sister. And she is the goddess of the hearth, of the sacred flame. Um, She can also be symbolic of the virgin. And so it was very interesting because Mady and I, in our research, we talked a lot about, um, you know, the symbol of Virgo and Scorpio. And how, um, you know, just looking at our sensuality through both of these symbols, like the virgin, but then also the prostitute. Mm. And how they're so important, the integration of both. Can you go into that a little bit more? Um, I'm, assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming that Virgo, my brain goes virgin. And then uh, you said other was Scorpio. And that yeah. has the prostitute archetype tied to it. Yeah, it's one of them, right? It can be multiple, but um, yeah. And I think that it was very interesting in, in, in Demetra George's work, she talked about how, you know, later on the, the constellation of Libra was discovered and Libra is right in the middle and that mm. was a masculine and it kind of split these two personalities like the virgin stays here and the prostitute stays here (laughs) and 
so that was kind of interesting too like wow look how how consciously like our consciousness will do that it does does that like as history grows and continues to evolve and so you know with this work with the asteroid goddesses i i find that it's so important because it it allows us to look back into mythology and it allows it and through mythology we look at it psychology and then it also allows us to ask ourselves okay where do we want to go from here mm -hmm. so it's like we had maybe way back then we actually had a matriarchy and then we shifted to a patriarchy and so now it's like okay we want to make that shift back to matriarchy so what is, what does that look like what have we learned from this mm -hmm. and it, it's it's something that you know lindsay i'm still discovering <laughs> this is a, a lifelong quest <laughs> as you're looking into these goddesses how do you see their energy contributing to this paradigm shift what can we learn from their energy their stories mm -hmm. what they're bringing to the table in our own lives and then projecting that out into the world yeah i'll i'll use well I'll, i can use a couple as an example for example juno she's the first one that comes to mind so when you when you read the mythology of juno and hera and her stories i mean they're kind of horrific, you know, in terms of like how she and Zeus would fight and the jealousy and the possession. You're like, I don't want a marriage like that. Um, but th but then it's also important, you know, it's like, okay, well, that that was the symbol of Hera during patriarchy. Okay, we get to rewrite that. What does that mean for us now? What does a sacred union, sacred marriage mean for us now? Mm -hmm. How, what is you know what is a symbol of sex in a marriage now and so and that's the type of conversation that i'm super interested in having because i think it empowers the astrologers of today to 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 recreate these stories um for example another example right so ceres was persephone's mother persephone was abducted from the underworld and by pluto apparently through the story through through the mythology and so here i mean there for me i think it's a huge symbol of me too right that we're going through right now and um we're we're looking at sexual abuse very closely and we want to shift this paradigm because there's so much suffering here and so now it's like wow we get to it, it, there it, you know we get to look at this story of of persephone and ceres and ceres was you know crying and grieving so much over her daughter but actually when you one perspective when you look at the story she was also very protective of her daughter and so that actually made me question of like oh when we look at ceres on people's maps where can they work out mother issues where can they work out their own sense of independence and work out their own autonomy mm -hmm. 
because one of my friends was actually telling me, she's like, oh, what if we rewrote Persephone's story? And she actually chose to go to the underworld, right? Or gave, empowered her. So, you know, Lindsay, it's, I think this is a beautiful research for us because one, it makes me honor a lot of, of previous history and mythology and where we came from and understand the pain um, that the feminine has gone through. And then also, I think it allows us to ask ourselves, okay, where do we go from here? So I'm going to punt that question right back to you. Where do we go from here? Well, uh, for me, I'll, I'll answer personally, because I think that this work starts with me first. For me, I'm looking at each of these archetypes in my map deeply. So that's where my work is right now. And I'm looking at what other planets are they interacting with? What are they, the stories that they've come up with? And, and, and working that through therapy as well, because I do astrology with therapy. And, and then after I feel like I feel that I've gained a, a pretty good understanding of what they mean to me, um, and I'm working with them in my day to day, then I want to start offering readings um, on the asteroid goddesses and help other women see, and men too, right? Mm -hmm. See their feminine um, through various angles. Because here's the thing I feel like our, the reason, one of the reasons why I'm doing this work is that I, I don't think it's enough for us to just look at the moon and Venus to talk about the feminine. That just doesn't tell us the whole picture of the feminine essence anymore. Mm -hmm. We've evolved too much. And so I think the moon and Venus are magnificent symbols and so rich. And there is more. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the red book behind you on, <laughs> on your dresser. And when we start talking about feminine and masculine, I'm drawn to Carl Jung and thinking about anima and animus. Mm -hmm. And do you mm -hmm. find parallels between that and what you're finding in people's charts in these readings and the research that you're doing on the feminine? Yeah. So for the listeners, listeners that don't know anima and animus, um, these are Jungian terms to, to describe the ma inner masculine and inner feminine um, in, in all of us. And yeah, I think the anima and animus definitely connects back to this, Lindsay. And I, I see like, for me, I see anima and animus like big categories of the feminine and masculine. And then mm -hmm. under, you know, the, uh, under them, then we have all of these subcategories then we have these sub archetypes like Ceres, Pallas, Juno, Vesta, and 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 I think with anima and animus, a lot of you know my my work um, at JFK, I researched just like how can we um, expand this definition, mm -hmm. right? That it's just not because there there used to be some Jungian research that was more like okay, men have an inner feminine and women have an inner masculine. 
Yeah. But I, I, but especially through astrology, you see that we all, we have it, we have all archetypes, Mm -hmm. no matter what sex. So how do we start bridging that gap? Because I am like raising my hand, like I'm admitting to something, like swearing myself in. (laughs) I am a recovering living in my masculine aholic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I know how difficult it has been for me. And I'm a cisgendered female. So I know how hard it has been for me to start to surrender because it really does to me feel like a practice of surrender to Mm. lean into my feminine. Um, I'm very, very comfortable in masculine. People don't fuck with me when I'm in my masculine. It's very like black and white. I get things done and I can operate there all day long. So to, to lean into more emotion, more empathy, more mm-hmm. softness. Mm-hmm. And in that, inviting in more pleasure, more mm-hmm. understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Ecstasy. Although I know that those things come when I lean into this other energy, it's been a practice. So how do we start inviting people to explore both feminine and masculine, Mm. and especially explore a part that feels more foreign or that Mm -hmm. feels a little bit scary to lean into? Mm -hmm. In the context of astrology, when you use the word explore, I think of aspects and how the planets are connecting with one another. And so what I love so much about this tool, Lindsay, is that when you do your map, you can see what planets are in communication, which helps you get a sense of like, oh, that feminine energy that I'm not connecting to, why is it not, why am I not connecting to it? Oh, because there's this other masculine energy that's overtaking it, Mm -hmm. right? And so it gives us a map to try to understand the complexities of our psyche. Mm. And what, you know, for, you know, maybe because of our upbringing, maybe because of our past lives, if you believe in that, right? Like there's a reason why this archetype might be more hidden or might be more aggravated. And so I think that astrology can really help us understand it better Mm -hmm. and bring it in bring it into to our consciousness so that we can first become aware of it. Then we can start, start learn how to play with it, right? How to integrate it. But first comes awareness then acceptance and then the integration. Mm. The idea of playing with it feels very, feels a lot less menacing. We can just play. Mm -hmm. We learn so much in play. Mm. And in that, and perhaps this is your answer, I don't know. But when we talk about this research that you're doing and offering readings and hopefully offering it to men, how do you deliver a message to men? And men listening, this does not go out to say that you are not understanding of this. This is not, you know, but for the mass majority of men living 
within today's societal constructs. How do you tell a man to harness his inner goddess? <laughs> harness that <laughs> goddess energy. Well, yeah. Well, you know, with each of these goddesses, I feel like this, this is a thing. I think that men, at least, you know, the men that I interact with that are really into men's groups now and are talking about their emotions and talking about their vulnerability, vulnerabilities, they're really already talking about these goddesses without using the name Ceres, Pallas, Juno, and Vesta, right? Mm-hmm. But they're talking already about these qualities. And so I don't think it's going to be that hard to get those men to get in touch with it. Um, but I do think that it's, you know, it, it there is a way to make it more accessible because it's all, so Pallas, it's all around having a strategic mindset. You know, that's not too scary. That's not too quote unquote feminine, like, mm-hmm. no, it's a strategic mindset. It's a creative thinker. Who doesn't want that? Um, with Juno, it's about like showing up for your partner. And I think we're seeing a lot more men being like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to stay up when the baby's up, you mm-hmm. know, I'm going to have to like p- put in my weight in this partnership because I get what I give. Um, when it comes to series, it's like, oh, how was your relationship with your mother growing up? Did you feel nurtured? Right? And so it's asking men to go back to their, to, to, to their upbringing. Yeah. And it's not that scary, gents. <laughs> you want to be a better lover? Get in touch with your inner goddess. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? Well, thank you so much. I know we talked about it on the last episode, but if people want to get readings done, they want to connect with you, they want to see all of the information that you're putting out, how do they get a hold of you? You can go to brunamaya.com and you'll find all the information there. I'm also on Instagram. It's at brew underscore Maya. Perfect. And you have an... A newsletter now too, don't you? I do. Yes, Lindsay. Um, I do. So you can sign up for that on my website and it's every month and we'll talk about, I talk about each of the signs and so the next one will be Taurus. Oh yeah. I heard that's a good sign. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a thing or two. <laughs> I do. I don't, I can't even begin to say I'm an expert on it. That's your job, but I can tell you my experience as a Taurus. Anyone that would like to know, slide into those DMS. <laughs> Bruna, thank you so much. Thank you, sister. Thank you for holding this platform and for inviting me to talk about the feminine. I feel like this is so important right now. So thank you.